you you have to love it. I think that's the most important thing for any of us that are in entertainment, as you well know. I think you really have to love it because it's going to be hard sometimes. And working in this business, it's going to be ebb and flow. It's very rare that we are in a very solid job that lasts for a super long time. I enjoy the... I don't know the right word for this. Like, kind of the surprise (laughs) all the time of being a performer. I like the variety of having a little while where everything is like set and good and you know exactly what you're doing. And then a couple months later, you are flying by the seat of your pants. Every night we try really hard to bring ourselves to tears because it is an impactful moment. And when the audience is seeing it for the first time, a lot of times the audience members are emotional. So we really try to tap into that as much as we can and bring them to that to that level. Hello, and welcome to the Theater Art Life podcast. My name is Kat Landry, and today we are speaking with April Leopardi. April portrays the leading character, Darkness, in Awakening at Wynn Las Vegas. She started her dance career at age 15, dancing for the Kentucky Derby. After portraying Cassandra in Cats, she toured worldwide, performing on cruise ships, in resorts, and in casinos. April performed for the Latin Grammy Awards for six seasons alongside music artists such as Pitbull, Mark Anthony, Enrique Iglesias, J Balvin, Gente de Zona, and Major Lazer. She toured one season with Charo and two seasons with Broadway's The Illusionists. April opened Totally Outrageous Brunch, was the dance captain for Vegas The Show, and the assistant choreographer for Zombie Burlesque. April's television credits include The CW's Masters of Illusion, America's Got Talent, and Fox's Game of Talents. April was raised in Cincinnati, Ohio, and currently resides in Las Vegas, Nevada. April, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. April, it's clear from your resume that you've had a pretty thrilling dance career. Um, could <laughs> you, you could you just bring us back to the beginning and tell us how it all began? Oh gosh. It it really all began when I was about two years old. I decided that I wanted to be a performer and that's all I ever wanted. I never changed from there. My sister and I uh, used to dance. I don't know if you remember. There used to be an old sketch comedy show called In Living Color, and oh yes, were dan- you remember, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. the dancers on there, the right. That's where like Jennifer Lopez got her start, Carla Kama, all these really cool people, and my sister and I would dance along with them. And I told my parents at two years old I wanted to be a fly girl when I grew up. <laughs> They were not thrilled. Awesome. They were not thrilled. Um, <laughs> but that was it. I started dancing and uh, I have a distinct memory. This is so funny, but I was, I must have been two and a half, not even three years old when I did my first recital and finishing like our tiny little ballet dance, right? With like our fluffy pink tutus and the audience applaud and just being like, oh. <gasps> That's for me. <laughs> I was, like, I was hooked. 
Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Did you, did you have anyone um, besides In Living Color? Did you have any <laughs> person who kind of inspired you to really take this all the way? Um, there wasn't really a person until I got a bit older. I mean, I grew up on really old classic movies. So I watched a lot of like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers and Esther mm. Williams and Betty Grable. And I just thought they were the most amazing humans, you know, getting to wear all these beautiful sparkly clothes and dance and sing for a living. So uh, once I got a little bit older and I was really taking dance very seriously, I had a dance teacher named Amy who really inspired me. She was... Um, she had been a professional performer and then she had become a dance teacher and a choreographer. She had five sons. And I remember her dancing. She was eight months pregnant with twins and she was still <laughs> out dancing all of us in the room. Oh my gosh. And I was just like, man, like I want to be that. I want to be doing this forever. And she was the one that really like pushed me and made me feel like, yeah, if you work hard, and you stay in love with it, you can do this forever. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And and now, now that you have had and are having such an incredibly successful career, what would you say to young people who are just starting to get into dance and maybe thinking, I want to do this forever too? <laughs> I would say you you have to love it. I think that's the most important thing for any of us that are in entertainment, as you well know. I think you really have to love it because it's going to be hard sometimes. And working in this business, it's going to be ebb and flow. It's very rare that we are in a very solid job that lasts for a super long time. It does happen, but it tends to be, you know, it's feast and famine. You have times where you're working shows and gigs and you're in demand. And then there's times where you have to pick up odd jobs in between just to get by and you have to still love it through those times. You know, even if you're making coffee, you still have to be out there training and freestyling and choreographing in your room to keep yourself going. If you can do that, you can do it forever. That's pretty amazing. Was there ever a time that you considered doing something else or has it always absolutely been dance all the way? I mean, it's always absolutely been performing. You know, I'm primarily a dancer, but I have um, branched out into aerial work. I've been a professional circus artist for a while. I was a magician's assistant for a very long time, and I did a lot of magic awesome. shows, and I got into magic for a while, <laughs> thought about creating my own. I started getting into... Uh, kind of sideshow type of things where I learned how to like walk on broken glass and break cinder blocks on my stomach and you know, <laughs> crack a whip and <laughs> do all sorts of things. I think all of it has to be on stage. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> That's like the one requirement, right? That's an impressive right. um, <laughs> skills list. <laughs> So speaking of which you you have like, you have such a uh, a wide range of of shows that you've worked on and it sounds from the way that you speak about it that it really doesn't matter what it is as long as it's on stage as long as you get to shine at it that that is something you want to do um but for our audience could you tell us just a little bit 
about the differences between these types of gigs? Like what's, what are the main differences between playing Cassandra and Cats and performing for the Latin Grammy Awards? <laughs> what's the absolutely what's the same what's not <laughs> there's uh there's a lot that is the same in as much as you're always going to be learning something that's brand new right and in some instances for something like cats that is it's such an entertainment staple everybody knows the show everybody knows the music they know the characters and so you're stepping into something that that has already existed and you mm -hmm. have you have requirements you have shoes to fill you know when it comes to that because there have been so many incredible performers that have already done it before you so going into something like cats we were we were rehearsing not just dance for that but we also had to have mm -hmm. cat classes right where we had to learn how to move <laughs> like an animal and then once we're into the <laughs> shows, it's a it's a different thing. You can imagine a bunch of full grown adults on the floor playing with an imaginary ball of yarn to like get into character. <laughs> um, and then for something, once you're in the swing of the shows, right, you're doing it eight times a week, over and over and over again. You're staying within the confines of the show, but also finding things that can be a little fresh and new and take a different approach so that the show you're putting on every night is just as exciting as the show you put on the night before, right? Because every audience, it is their first time or their only time seeing it. So they can't see a like lazy show where you're doing your grocery list in your head. So you have to find little ways to keep it interesting and approach it differently Whereas when you're doing something like the Latin Grammys, it's a one-off. So you'll rehearse for a week, maybe a week and a half, and they are long hours and difficult rehearsals. And then you get out there and you have one chance and that is it. It is on national television. There are 25,000 people in the audience and you've got one shot to nail it. So the amount of pressure is the same, but it's just kind of spread out differently. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Oh, totally. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it's the same on the production side as well. Like working a long running show versus a one-off is just a completely different experience. And it totally, it's that spread, right? It's like, right. do I want... Do I want my pressure spread out over time or do I want it all at once? <laughs> um, and yeah, I totally, <laughs> totally understand. Yeah. Do you have, do you have one that you prefer? Um, I, I don't really, I think I enjoy, I enjoy the, oh, I don't know the right word for this. Like kind of the surprise <laughs> all the time of being a performer. I like the variety of having a little while where everything is like set and good and you know exactly what you're doing. And then a couple months later, you are flying by the seat of your pants and doing like a one-off show here and a one-off show there. And it's constantly changing and it, it keeps your brain young, you know, having to constantly Absolutely. be learning. <laughs> so I, I think that is also part of the secret of doing this forever is keep your brain entertained. <laughs> keep finding ways, you know, to surprise yourself and give yourself things that will make you stretch and grow. 
You know, if you just do the same choreography every day for 30 years, there's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. But you're probably going to get bored and maybe not want to do it anymore. Whereas if you're out there and you're taking classes and you're doing auditions and you're doing little one-off gigs, then your brain is constantly playing catch up. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's different, right? Like some people, a long running show is like the dream. It is the absolute pinnacle. Like, oh my gosh, I get to do the same show eight to 10 times a week. Perfect. I love it. I'm in, sign me up. (laughs) And then there are some people who like, that's their idea of just like a living nightmare. So it's, I I totally agree. It's like, (laughs) it's really good to have that variety. It's so nice, honestly. Um, And you, you've Mm -hmm. toured some as well, right? I have, yes. I'm currently on tour myself. And what I find is that even though we, even though we do the same show um, nine, 10, 11 times a week, depending on where we are, um, that, you know, you have um, so much variety just in the fact that your surroundings are changing all the time and that you get yes. to like enjoy the newness of a place, even if you don't have the newness of a, of, of a different show, if that makes any sense. Like, have you yes. found the same thing that that's something that can kind of energize you in a long run as well? Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure you probably run into this as well. Sometimes the brunt of the crazy choreography happens backstage, right? Yes, so like, totally. <laughs> <laughs> getting on and off stage, getting from one side to the other. And then when you are on tour and you're going to all these different theaters, sometimes mm-hmm. there's an easy cross around. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes you're running downstairs into a basement, running back up on the other side. You know, sometimes <laughs> you're going up and over a catwalk to get to the other side. And it does, it keeps it exciting. Just like you said, like, even though the maybe what's happening on stage is mostly the same. There's still so much that changes when you're on tour. Mm, absolutely. That's Even enough to keep your brain turned on. the stages. Yes. Yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. Absolutely. Do you find yourself having to like restage everything, the props and like the spacing for the dancers and everything? Well, so I'm actually, um, I, well, not currently. Right now I'm on tour break. Um, but I, nice. I'm i on tour with, uh, with Cirque du Soleil's Alegria, uh, which is, oh, it's a big maybe. top show. Yeah. Um, so um, it, actually we travel with our venue most of the time. Um, we had like a slightly different big top. It was actually a dome um, during our Japan run that was just laid out a little bit differently, but like staged mostly the same. Um, and then we are heading to London in the Royal Albert Hall in January. And so we're actually, we're working now on like really reworking all of those things. Like how's the backstage stuff going to work and where are we going to have these entrances now that things are shaped differently? Um, and you know, kind of re-choreographing and working with different kinds of aisles and things like that. And, you know, for, for folks who don't do this type of thing all the time, um, you know, it, it's funny because you wouldn't even realize how many questions there actually are to ask when you're going (laughs) from one venue to another but but really it does change quite a lot and particularly Mm -hmm. for performers who have been uh doing a show for a long time on a long-running show that Mm -hmm. kind of adjustment is um it's not small you know if you have a, a time that you know that you normally leave to go put your costume on um and now it takes you like three minutes longer to walk to that place that's going to make a huge, huge. difference to your because it's all muscle memory, right? So I really right. commend the the people who are on more like arena or theater style tours where 
you're changing venues every week, every two weeks, something like that, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a really big adjustment to make um, in a short amount of time. Um, And I think, you know, dancers and performers of all kinds on those kinds of tours deserve a lot of credit for it. um, Because it's because it's hard to rework that muscle memory for sure. It is. And sometimes I think it's even harder than learning something completely new. It's like if you're (laughs) that's one thing. But when you have muscle memory, and then you have to make tiny little adjustments here and there, it's almost more difficult. Because you just can't fall into your routine. You can't depend on your body to just do what it needs to do. It's like you have to constantly be like, wait, is this the same? This is what I did last night? No, okay, this is different than what I did last night, but not totally different. Yeah, like Ugh. even even as a stage manager, so um, for our show, we have a duo straps act and we have a solo straps backup act. Um, they are mm-hmm. extremely similar in their like intro and outro. Um, and our cue numbers are only in many places only different by having a five at the front. So like they're 50 instead of starting from zero. And, but uh-huh. the second number is like almost the same for much of the act. And it's oh so funny how your brain just gets in that rhythm. And you, each mm-hmm. one of us, we all, we take the time to review before every show if we did the other straps version the last show we always do like a video session with ourselves to just make sure we get back in that rhythm because it's so funny right when it's really similar how Mm -hmm. hard it is to switch as opposed to doing a totally different act of course you remember it perfectly right yeah right (laughs) of course you remember it perfectly yeah it is those really small adjustments are hard and i think there's you bring up such a good point too about uh, when you're working with aerialists, right? The motor mm-hmm. cues or yes. you know, the calls for the motor, it's something that I think as an audience member, you have no idea what goes into it. You know, no, you're watching all. these beautiful <laughs> artists up in the air and you don't even think about like there is somebody that has to know exactly when to lift them up and how high and when to bring them down and how low. And it's there's such a science behind it. So for you to be able to not only do that every night, but to make those small adjustments, huge props to you because that, oh, that well, is a thank feat. You. <laughs> well, I, I, always, I always say, um, I always say when we have people who are shadowing the call um, and maybe they're learning the call or maybe they're just sitting there for fun to kind of learn what we do. I always say um, that what we do is, it's like having a a language between the aerialist and the stage manager um, because we are speaking to each other, not in English, but in movements and in cues. And it's like, it's like, it's like our own choreography. So like, I know that when I get a signal from an artist that they're ready for the next cue. I know mm-hmm. that when they go into exposition that I'm ready to take them up. Um, you know, it's like we talk to each other. Um, and I think it's one of the most beautiful things, the relationship between artists and stage manager in those kind of acts, because you're right. Like the audience has no idea that these kinds of things are happening, but there's really so much communication happening. And it, if you ask me, it's an art form of its own. It really is. Um, and I think it's such a beautiful choreography between onstage and backstage. That is, that's an incredible way to put it too. Like it really is its own language that you speak to each other and it's so accurate. And then there's a whole, <laughs> there's a whole nother thing to take into account where, as I'm sure you are accustomed to, 
different artists, different stage managers, different riggers, they will respond to different things. So Mm -hmm. some people respond better to like lyrics. Some people respond better to movement. Some people respond to counts. You know, some people want a very clear, like every single time it's a nod and that's my okay. You know, there's so many different ways to communicate. And when you have a background like you do, you have to be able to communicate in all of the different ways, depending mm-hmm. on who is comfortable with what. And that is that is a a major, major skill set. <laughs> they they should teach you that. There should be college courses on how to communicate in yeah. language movement, music, <laughs> lyrics. <laughs> absolutely. Nods, absolutely. Well, it's so crucial in so many ways. Yeah. Um, I mean, both for our, you know, our human relationships, but also for the the actual nuts and bolts running of the show. Absolutely. It's, it's yeah. crucial. Is there anything yeah. else that you can think of that audience members might not know, or even just non-dancers might not know that you wish they did? Ah, <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. There's, it, it feels like there's a lot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's nice for, for the audience not to know some things because it really adds mm. to like the the magic and the spectacle of what we do. But then uh, something silly, this sounds a little bit silly and small, but in, in Awakening, in the show I'm doing right now, we have a really emotional moment between me and one of the other performers, Donna. And every night we try really hard to bring ourselves to tears because it is an impactful moment. And when the audience is seeing it for the first time, a lot of times the audience members are emotional. So we really try to tap into that as much as we can and bring them to that to that level of just being like, oh, just hit in the gut. And I think something you don't think about as an audience member until you step back is like the the toll it takes to bring yourself to that vulnerable place. 10 times a week, you know, twice a night to get yourself to that place. It, it's difficult and it's taxing. And I think that's something that, you know, when I'm watching like a movie or a show, I can respect like, oh, that's such a beautiful thing. But then to take a step back and be like, wow, they had to do that over and over and over again to get you to feel that way. It's, it is a big undertaking. And now a note from our sponsor. The Theater Art Life podcast is proud to be sponsored by ClearCom. ClearCom is the leader in voice communication since 1968 for theater and the performing arts. When the show must go on, ClearCom is there to keep the team on cue. You can find them at C-L-E-A-R-C-O-M.com. Go check them out. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so much, it's so much energy. And that's really one of the beautiful things about this type of performance is that even though you're doing it eight, nine, 10 times a week, however many it is like you. And I, when I say you, I mean the collective of people who do this kind of thing, you bring that beautiful energy every single time, keeping in mind the experience of the thousands of people in front of you. Um, And that's, 
that's such a unique talent and it's such a beautiful gift to be able to give to people so that, you know, every time those seats are filled, that you're giving that same experience to everyone. And I think it's just, it's incredibly admirable that you put that amount of effort in. I think that's really great. (laughs) Thank you. I think (laughs) it tends to be uh, a sign to me of, of a performer who a is really professional and really good at what they do, but also who is so committed and loves what they do is when mm-hmm. they are able to put out that same energy, whether it's an emotional moment, whether it's a joyful moment, you know, whatever the intention is behind the performance to be able to make it look like the first time every time. I feel like that is a mark of a really talented, passionate performer. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So tell us a little (laughs) bit more about Awakening. Um, So from what I hear, it's really spectacular and like a (laughs) a technical marvel, but I've told you already I'm a stage manager. So these are the the things that I already know about. Tell us a little bit more though. Like what's the story like? What are the characters? You play someone called Darkness. What is that all about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't even know where to begin this show. There's so much to this show. It's really wonderful. I hope you get an opportunity to come and check us out, especially as a stage manager. I think you'll you'll really be impressed by the technology so <laughs> <laughs> and the staging. So we are just taking a moment before I delve into the characters, speaking mm. to you as a stage manager, our stage, I don't know if you've seen videos, but it's a 360 degree stage. It's all glass. It covers LED screens. So this stage is lit up the entire time. Not only that, it rotates and the pieces move independently of each other. They move together. So our stage is almost constantly in motion in some fashion, going up, down, splitting apart, coming back together, rotating. It is constantly moving and it's constantly lit up. And we have these gorgeous like crystal bridges that come down from the ceiling that people enter from. We have an insane lighting system, an insane sound system. (laughs) Everything is just the craziest that I've ever experienced, if that makes sense. That is the most top of the line. (laughs) I think you would you would definitely enjoy watching just the movement of the stage alone, let alone once the performers are on it. Yeah, I'm sure I would. (laughs) (laughs) So the show itself, we basically wrote a myth. It's a story about a god and a goddess. So the character I play is Darkness, which is just epic to get to walk around and say that I play Darkness. (laughs) Just amazing. (laughs) So Darkness in our story, the world is created by the phoenix. The phoenixes are omnipotent character, right? So the phoenix creates darkness. She's the first being in the entire world and she's powerful. She's magical. She's strong, but she's lonely. So the phoenix gives her light as her counterpart and light is played by my dear friend, Datus. (laughs) And the story is that they just fall in love instantly the moment they meet and they want to spend every moment together. But because of the laws of nature, they can only be together twice a day at sunrise and sunset. Oh. And so I know, right? just chills <laughs> immediately. Chills. 
uh, and this is our second version of the show. So this is the, this is the new storyline. So they fall in love. They want to be together, but they can only be together at sunrise and sunset. And one day, they, one day, <laughs> I'm getting emotional. I'm sorry. <laughs> one day they decide that it is not enough and they want to be together all the time. So they run away and they're living in this eternal sunset. But of course, things fall out of balance when that happens. And so they are punished and they're separated from each other. Darkness is banished to her own realm uh, where she's just completely alone. And then light is split into three crystals and he is scattered into the realms of earth, air, and water. And the worst part about it all is they have their memories erased. They have no knowledge of each other at all. So that's how the show begins. We tell you this story. This is what's happening. Now we go into the fire realm and there is this beautiful character, the storyteller played by Natavia, who is just, oh, she's amazing. And she's telling her people this story about darkness and light. And at this point, darkness is slowly taking over the world. So she is sending a hero on a journey to go collect the crystals of light, bring him back together, resurrect him essentially, and then bring darkness and light together again. So she wow. goes on this epic journey <laughs> through all of the realms. And in each of the realms, she faces a god of light in which she's trying to get the crystal from him so she can bring him back. Okay. And darkness is chasing her the whole time, trying to stop her because darkness doesn't remember light. And all the while, we are on this crazy stage. We have this beautiful music. Brian Tyler wrote all of our music. And so it is an insane like movie score happening the whole time. There's songs that you can sing along to. Um, and our costumes, I don't know if you've seen the photos, but our costume designer, Soyan An, oh, she's a, <laughs> she is an actual goddess. <laughs> oh, awesome. Her costumes are couture and edgy and just like nothing I've ever seen before. And she really wanted it to be mind-blowing when we walked out on stage. She wanted people to be like, how is that possible? Like, how are they, how are they wearing those costumes? How are they moving in those costumes? And she really succeeded. Wow. <laughs> I know I, mean, I just gave you so much information. <laughs> no, it sounds fabulous. It sounds wonderful. I'm I'm gonna be in Vegas next month, so I'm probably gonna have to stop by. <gasps> um that that is yes, really please. that sounds great. And you you mentioned um you mentioned that this is the second version of the show. And I understand that the show yes. was dark for a period and then had a relaunch recently. Um, so for yes. folks who might have seen the show before it went dark, what what's new? Mm -hmm. What are they going to see in the show now? Oh my goodness. Uh, virtually everything is new. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. So we started, we rewrote the entire story. Mm -hmm. um, we changed the sequence of things. We added a bunch of things that... Uh, the people really wanted to see. So now we have circus artists in the show that we mm -hmm. didn't have before. We also have an aerial strap duo. Awesome. Uh, we have a Russian bar and a Bonkeen act. We have a fire spinning act. And uh, we had Mandy Moore come in and re-choreograph almost the entire show. Wow. Which was just an absolute out-of-body experience. <laughs> Getting to work with Mandy Moore. She's probably the most brilliant choreographer 
that I've ever worked with. And and that is not to speak ill of any other choreographer I've worked with because I've worked <laughs> with some really, really talented people. But she has a vision of the entire stage in a way that mm. I've never seen somebody have before, if that makes sense. Like a lot of times you can kind of get tunnel vision on all the little individual pieces. Mm-hmm. And then when you put them together, they maybe don't always work the way you want them to. Mm-hmm. And Mandy just has this ability to see the entire big picture first and then focus everything down into the small pieces. And it, I mean, as you see, this is why she's as successful as she is. One of the many reasons she's as successful right? as she yeah. is. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Wow. So it really sounds yeah. like a, a total overhaul, basically. Uh, and, yeah. and I hear you Probably I hear you using the word. That's amazing. That's really nice. I, I hear you using the word we very often. Was it? Did you find it was a very collaborative process? Because that's what it sounds like from here. Yeah. Honestly, we've been very lucky. Uh, we've had a couple of creative directors come in and work with us. We've had... Um, a multitude of choreographers. We have three producers. And so the creative team is very large to begin with. And then that being said, something that's very unique, I feel like about this particular um, creation process is that it is very workshop heavy. So there's a lot of, let's look at this and see how it goes. Or here's the picture I want. Now take your skill set and show me how we can use your skill set to make this picture. And so it, it, it built, you know, it really was built from the ground up. It wasn't so much set on us. Like, oh, here's wow. the choreography. I'm yeah. going to teach it to you. It was really created in the truest sense of the word. And I think that you're going to get the best out of your artists when you take what they are best at and then put that into your vision. You know what I mean? I I totally do. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened with this, you know, from, from the top down, from the producers and directors through all of the creatives, they really have done such a phenomenal job of working with us and not just on us, you know? Yeah, that's really beautiful. That's why the show has come together the way that it has. And we got a lot of freedom, particularly there are five of us that play the lead characters. We have darkness mm-hmm. and light. We have Io, who is our heroine, and then Boo and Bandit are her her sidekicks. They're sent with awesome. her to help her on her journey. <laughs> <laughs> and I think each of us individually have gotten such a rare opportunity to work closely with each of the creatives and make these characters our own. And they, they've given us a, like, this is the story I want to tell. This mm-hmm. is what I want to portray. And then let us work within that to tell the story in our own way. It, all the way to our understudies as well. We each have a set of understudies, as every show does, um, who are phenomenally talented. And something else that's really special that I love about the way this company works is our understudies have gotten to work with the creative team as well as with us, but they're not expected to do copy paste what we do. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. asked to bring their own version to tell the same story, but to do it in a way that suits them. And again, I think you're always going to get the best product 
when you go about it that way. Absolutely. That's so special that you were able to be a part of that process in that way and and that your character is always going to have a little piece of you. That's really, really nice. Yeah. Thank you. It's, so it's tell us a, a little process. Bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> um, so, so tell us a little bit about what your everyday life looks like on a typical work day. What does April's day look like? <laughs> Well, this is such an interesting question. It's it's hard to give you a, a straight up answer because <laughs> being a being a performer and also like just being super ADD, typically my my days are not exactly the same <laughs> one to the next. But we we are in a lot of rehearsals still. Um, we have gone through our revamp. We're all you know, we're, we're doing a much more successful version of the show right now. But that being said, our team wants us to be the absolute best that we can possibly be. So we are still in rehearsals. We still go in and make tweaks and adjustments. We have different creatives come in and just try things and do things differently. So typical day for me, I'm going to get up and spend time with my dog, <laughs> you know, do some <laughs> sort of workout. <laughs> You know, and then uh, we go in and we rehearse, and then getting ready for the show. Getting ready for the show is a bit of an undertaking. Uh, I typically start my get ready process about two hours before the show, so we have pretty intense, unique makeup. So mm -hmm. I'll start with my makeup. And then at a certain point, I am called in uh, for hair and wig prep. After that, I'll go in and see our makeup artist, and he'll do kind of the last steps on my face to make sure I look like a goddess. Mm -hmm. And then I typically go backstage and stretch, get into about half of my costume. We go and do audio check, and then I get into the rest of my costume. <laughs> it is a lot of costume. Um, and then we start the show, and we're there um, – we do a seven o'clock show every night, Friday through Tuesday. And then on Friday, Saturday, and Tuesday, we do a second show at 9.30. So we'll either finish the show and get ready to go home, or we'll finish the show and get ready to do another one. And then we're dark on Wednesdays and Thursdays, which I typically sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair enough. <laughs> And then during the show, um, and I'm just curious because you know you've you've spent your career as as primarily a dancer, but you said you're you're also an aerialist. Mm -hmm. um, in this show, what percentage of your performance is dancing, aerial, acting? How what what are you doing the most? Do you would you say? Well, this show is a bit of a departure for me. I would say the majority of my show is acting. Um, okay. Because somebody thought it would be a good idea to give me a microphone. I don't know about that. but Well, I heard you say that you were doing <laughs> audio checks. So I said, oh, she's she's got a real speaking role there. <laughs> so this, somebody gave this girl a microphone. I don't know why. <laughs> yes. So I have a speaking role in the show. So for Darkness, I am primarily an actress and uh, I do dance a little bit. Um, no Ariel in this show for me. Not right now. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. But uh, <laughs> mostly just I I play a character. So it is mostly acting. Yes, delivering lines, which is a whole different thing for for dancers, right? Magician's assistants. We used to just 
going in boxes and popping back out with a big smile. Yeah. No one ever gives us a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. And what what has that experience been like for you transitioning into more of an acting speaking role? It's been difficult. It's been difficult. It's pushed me pretty far out of my comfort zone, which, you know, mm. circling back is wonderful and will hopefully keep me performing forever, keeping my brain on its toes. But mm-hmm. it was it was a lot of work. Um, I worked very closely with a vocal coach and with our creative director because I, as a dancer and as an aerialist, I'm very accustomed to telling a story with my body, with my movement, Mm -hmm. with my facial expressions. But it is a whole different thing to literally tell my story (laughs) with my voice and with somewhat minimal movement, you know, not Mm -hmm. really depending on obviously using my body, but not in the same way that I'm accustomed to. Um, It was a big adjustment. And I spent a lot of time in front of the mirror, which we all just love being in front of a mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Doing a lot of research. My creative director, Dina, who I worked with the most at the beginning, um, was hugely helpful. She gave me movies to watch and songs Mm. to listen to, articles to read, all sorts of things to really help me create the character, how darkness would move, how she would you know, be offended by something, how she would be angry about something and how she would speak. And when I very first started speaking on a microphone, I was so quiet (laughs) that they would have to turn my in-ears way down so I could almost not hear myself at all in order (laughs) to get me to project and speak louder because in my ears, I was screaming at the top of my lungs and they were like, April, we can't hear you. Like, that's insane. I'm being so loud. <laughs> They're like, you're really not. So um, now, now it's really fun. I get to be a villain. I get to walk around and yell at people for a living. Like, why was I ever quiet in the first place? This is great. So many people's dream job, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And wow. That something is really that I love awesome. about darkness too. She is the villain, but like she's mm-hmm. also she has, she's very complex as a villain. She, mm-hmm. You know, I joke that I get to just walk around and yell at people for a living, but really the character of darkness is powerful, but she's sad. She's cut off mm-hmm. from everybody else. You know, she's lonely and getting to play a character that is that deep and intricate and not just you're mean, go yell at people, you know, getting all of the, the meat behind that is, is really special. It makes the character very, very fun and very heavy to play. Yeah. Well, it's definitely all about the layers, right? There's so much to, to unpack in any character and I'm sure you've had plenty of time to do that. (laughs) (laughs) So much time. (laughs) If you had to pick your favorite thing, about your job or about the industry as a whole, what would you say that would be? Oh my gosh. My favorite thing. I think I would have to say my favorite thing about 
my job, my industry as a whole is the ability to, to tell so many different stories. I think being a performer gives you the opportunity to sometimes step completely outside of yourself and tell a story you would have never otherwise told, play a character that has all these quirks and intricacies that you don't own at all, that is nothing like you. And simultaneously, there are opportunities for you to go really deep into yourself and bring out and put on display some of these things about yourself that are very important, that are very vulnerable, that are very personable. And so having the career I've been lucky enough to have so far, I've gotten to do all of those things. I've gotten to run the gamut of being so much myself on stage that it's it's terrifying and being someone on stage that is nothing like me at all which is also which is fun to do too you get to try on all these different personalities and to to be successful at it is really rewarding to go out there and get applause at the end oh, there's nothing like it oh what a great answer thank you and then Thanks. the final question i have for you is if you could change one thing about your job or about the industry as a whole, what would it be? Just one thing. It's a tricky one. <laughs> that is a tricky one. <laughs> like I feel like I could veer off in a couple different directions here. So you're welcome to give more than one answer. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, that is. The that is a hard question. If I could only change one thing about the career, the industry, um, it's like my knee-jerk reaction is to say that I would want, I would want to change um, a little bit of the awareness about the job. I think that being a performer, and not just a performer, being involved in entertainment in any way people view it as a very glamorous, you know, elite, beautiful job. And there, you do have to be in the elite to be successful. But I think people don't understand or don't grasp like how difficult it is. It's kind of bringing us back to what we spoke about earlier that you have to be comfortable, you know, having chunks of time where you're not employed at all, or you have to go do other things. And the the toll that that takes on you as a person and the lack of stability you know so i think if i could change one thing i would want people to just not to not think it's glamorous but to just comprehend that what we do is not just playtime you get to go play dress up all the time and you get paid for it that's great like there's there's so much work that goes into it there's there's injuries, you know, there's emotional taxes, there's late nights and early mornings and blood, sweat, and tears. And there are times where sometimes you have to say no to a job you really want because they're not treating you properly or they're not paying you what you are worth, you know. And there are other times where you're getting a great paycheck 
you're being taken care of, but you're doing something that maybe you aren't super proud of and you don't love. And you have to still find your love for the art within these performances that maybe you don't love as much. And so I, if I could change anything, I would, I would just want people to, to have a little bit of acceptance and a, an understanding that it is, is actually a very, very difficult life to choose. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you know, that's, that's really part of our philosophy here at Theater Art Life as well is bringing, yeah. bringing some light and some awareness to actually what goes into creating all of these things. And, and it's everything that you've said. It's the sacrifices people make. It's time away from friends and family and home. Mm -hmm. It's the long hours. It's, you know, it really is. It's like you said, it's, it's blood, sweat and tears, but this is the thing we love more than anything else. So it's just what we do, right? It's what we um, do. I mean, it's a joke, yeah. right? In our industries, like there's no such thing as holidays in entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> you will never be home for a Christmas, a Hanukkah, a birthday, a wedding. Like you, you have to commit to miss all of those things for your craft. And, and we're willing to do it, but it is, it's tough, you know, and it can be isolating sometimes, you know, some, you'll get, you'll get a little left behind when it comes to people's big milestone life events, because there's so many times that you just can't be there. And that's difficult. And that's why we're lucky that there is such a community within the arts. Yes. There's, you have family that, yes, you know, that is not blood family. Your chosen family becomes so, so ridiculously important to you. Because these are the people that you're sharing these moments with. You end up being with your castmates when you're going through breakups and dealing with deaths and getting promotions and getting new new gigs other places and having a really wonderful night with a wonderful audience. Like these are the people in the trenches with you. They they become your family. And that that's hard. <laughs> Absolutely. I've definitely cooked more Thanksgiving dinners for colleagues in recent years than I have for family. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. So I, I totally, completely understand what you're saying. You couldn't be, couldn't be more on the money. Well, I'm fortunate that my sister is a performer as well. And so we also, we, uh, we tend to do our Christmases and Thanksgivings and stuff just somewhere in the month. If we can find oh, a day perfect. off together, yeah. <laughs> we're like December 13th, Christmas. That's what we're doing. Why not? Yeah, why not? Exactly. That's awesome. Well, April, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really great getting to chat with you. Thank you. I had such a nice time chatting with you too. And I'm excited for you to come out here and check out the show. Absolutely. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Theater at Life is a global media site for entertainment. Memberships start at only 38 US dollars per year. You can have unlimited access to our daily published articles, including entertainment news and the writings of active industry professionals, ensuring that you are always up to date on the global happenings in the world of entertainment. Become a part of the international entertainment community and join us now at www.theaterartlife.com.